0: Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 333. And I want you to take a little bit of a different tact with today's episode. Today's episode is all about your mindset and how you think about success, how you think about your business, how you might be the real toll booth through all things must pass. And, the, and potentially the impediment to your growth. And our guest here today talks about this today. So expand your mind, Perpetual Traffic listeners. Yes, we are going to be talking about some tactics, some strategies, but far more on the 30,000-foot view of who you are as a business person, who you are as someone who is trying to achieve success, whether you're an agency owner, whether you're a CMO, whether you're a business owner, whoever it is, that you are trying to gain the edge here on Perpetual Traffic. Today's episode is gonna allow you to do just that, but it's a mental edge, it's not a strategic and tactical edge. And uh, today's guest gets into that, as well as he's got an offer at the end here where you can learn more about what he does, as I mentioned in today's show. His teachings and his input, in the movie and the book, The Secret and the audio book, which I think I listened to about a thousand times as I was starting uh, preparing uh, to, to launch tier 11 and into the business world on my own after getting fired twice in the corporate world. So this guy really knows what he's talking about. It certainly helped me with my success journey here. So hopefully it will help you. I'm very confident that today's episode will do just that, but keep an open mind. This is a departure from our normal content here on Perpetual Traffic. And take a listen here. Enjoy today's episode. We'll get into today's show in just a moment while we pay the bills here at Perpetual Traffic.
1: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Traffic.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And this is a show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic, but not just traffic itself. Last couple of shows, we were coming to you from Traffic and Conversion Summit, so it's not all about traffic, is it? Kasim Aslam, my awesome co-host, who I finally met for the first time just weeks ago, and now we're back being virtual again. How the hell are you? I'm living the dream. We're back to being e buddies. That's right. That's right. It's much more fun when we're sitting in the Scooby-Doo van and just talking talking away about our hangovers. But today, we're going to be talking about some stuff that's actually even more important, in my opinion, than traffic and or conversion. It is how you think about business and your mindset. And I always sort of talk about this and our, our guest here is going to be somewhat flattered in the fact that we have mentioned one of the original places where I sort of became aware of who he is as a human and as somebody who is put on this earth for the betterment of mankind from the movie, The Secret, which is the audiobook. I think I listened to my wife still jokes with me about it. Uh, I think I actually listened to it like a thousand times after I was fired the second time started this whole thing. And that was 10 years ago, uh, took it with me everywhere. We are really excited to have uh, a really special guest on here for you today on Perpetual Traffic, none other than John Asaroff. John, welcome to Perpetual Traffic.
2: Psyched to have you on board. Gentlemen, it's great to be on and great to connect with the two of you again.
0: Yeah, I mean, today we're going to be talking about a lot of the stuff that you've done. You've got a pretty thick resume. You know, you've written a few books, done a few things, built five multi million dollar companies. You're a two time bestselling author of Having It All in the Answer. Of course, you were featured in The Secret. You've also appeared on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, you know, now you can put in the bio perpetual traffic. Like, let's just bump (laughs) Larry King aside and put us right you know, first seed. We're, we're pretty excited because you're not only a guy who thinks high level and is strategic, but as we were talking in the pre-record, which is what we do here at Perpetual Track before we hit record, you actually know a lot of your metrics and your numbers and your conversion metrics and how many leads you're getting and all that kind of stuff. Like who knows that stuff? Like when you're thinking big, like you are. So you're this rare sort of combination of these two different skills. And I think that brings a lot to the table here as we talk high level as well as tactical. And, you know, your business itself, like it, it seems like it hasn't skipped a beat. We've been obviously watching and following you for years and years now, but things are going pretty darn well. Even in spite of all this iOS tracking stuff, you still have the metrics that you're tracking every single day. You're spending a lot on paid media, you know, running... I would imagine multiple millions of paid traffic with 500,000 to 750,000 leads that you're generating. How are you guys doing it all? Like, how has your business been performing the last six months or so since uh, all this stuff sort of hit the digital marketing world?
2: Our business actually got better. We actually increased our reach, increased our impact, increased our revenues and our leads in the last 18 months. And Yes, there are changes, totally agree, but that actually works to our advantage because of one, I think, key psychological factor. And that is my team and I are what I call our adaptationists. And we like to deal with challenges head on and get ahead of them. So if you know there's a storm coming, you prepare, right? If you know that there's some risk then you look to discover what can I do to mitigate the risk? And that's what we did with the iOS change. We knew it was coming. We talked to several people in our mastermind. We asked ourselves, how do we pivot? How do we adapt quickly to a worst case scenario? So, we doubled down, for example, on our content strategy. We doubled down on our affiliate strategy. We doubled down on the free events that we did as we tried to figure out what our ad costs will be this week, next week, the week after, the week after that, because we knew that would be affected. So, we said, okay, let's pivot a little bit and say, let's buffer our risk by creating a few tactical um, moves and maneuvers. that would buffer those things. And that's what we did. We took care of all the requirements for the new iOS changes, which, you know, you pretty much had to. And then we started to navigate and started to see, you know, what can we do with our ads? We, we, instead of decreasing our testing, we increased our testing. And as I think I mentioned to you when we were talking a little bit before, my, my lead cost as of this morning, all right. It was about about three weeks ago. It was about, and I'm going to give you Google, and I'll give you Facebook. It was about twelve dollars per lead on Facebook. This past week, it's been around six dollars, fifty percent less. One tactical change. I'll tell you why in just a little bit, uh, with the risk of it might. Uh, Increase our cost. but And then with with Google, we've decreased our lead cost uh, by about 30% by recalibrating some of our videos and what we do right at the beginning of each of our videos and and, and recalibrating some of our thumbnails and things like that. So we're consistently engaged in discussions with friends of ours, people that we mastermind with, sharing best practices. And when a lot of people are scaling back, that's when I actually like to put the pedal to the metal to figure out what's going to work faster so I can recover and recalibrate faster.
0: Not many people did that. (laughs) A lot of people just scale back. I mean, it sounds great in theory, but you have to have the data and the analytics and the team to be able to sort of which way to pivot. You said Correct. you did some other things before we get into the open loop of the 50% or the 30% reduction, but like you did some other things, more content up front. It sounds like, was it a fundamental strategic shift as opposed to just maybe some tactical stuff or was it just a mindset shift alongside of like, give us yeah, that so- in a little bit more detail.
2: So in the world that I play in, right, uh, which is the personal development uh, side, specializing in behavioral neuroscience and why people do what they do, why don't they know the things they should do, how do we help people overcome fear? So I'll give you an example. COVID, okay, which everybody who's alive in the world is pretty much aware of, created a lot of fear and uncertainty with people, right? And so we just became an advocate for understanding how do you manage fear better? How do you manage uncertainty better? How do you manage stress better? And we gave away so much free content on dealing with how to navigate through what you're navigating through right now. So we took a real world example, inserted our methodologies around, you know, winning the game of fear or stress or anxiety or uncertainty. And we just gave people an enormous amount of, here's what's going on, Here's why it's happening. Here's how you can become victorious over it. Here's how you can adapt. Here are some techniques for you to use to manage your mindset better. And then we said, oh, by the way, if you want to change your brain so you can change your income, you can go deeper in with our work over here. So we just gave away a lot of free stuff that people needed and wanted. And we just built um, a phenomenal following of people that liked us, trusted us, that wanted to listen to us and then see what else we had. And so our business during this entire, you know, we, we grew last year. We are growing again this year. And so instead of thinking about, you know, what can I get for me right now because of my uncertainty, my stress and my fear, what can I give other people that are going through the exact same thing to help them?
0: aside from the all the the covid commercials that everyone's now sick of in times like these yeah. right we didn't go down that road but how did you address it like you know th- things suck right now and you're really scared about like whether or not you're gonna live <laughs> or whether your grandma or your you know your mother and you know we've got all have personal cases of this like that fear is real like how do you get that across to people in a way that doesn't sound hackneyed cliched or you know like all the big brands do just tired like how do you get to people where they really live
2: real conversations i mean just real freaking conversations so it's like hey i was talking to my son last night you know and uh, he was sharing with me that they're thinking of closing down their offices because of COVID. hey you know one of my clients was experiencing this yesterday and I know that it may sound reasonable or unreasonable to you, or I read this article that I know is blatantly not true, not because I'm an expert, because the people that I ask for help are experts. So I entered the dialogues around what I was experiencing, my clients was experiencing, were experiencing, or what was, you know, happening in the media of who do you how do you know who to trust, me included. Right. Like, how do you know Mm -hmm. who to trust me included? So it's just like there's, you know, you can you can teach people how to learn, but then you can teach people to learn, you know, the art of learning. And and so I was entering the dialogue that was already happening in their brains, which is, you know, neuromarketing and neurosales 101. So if I can meet them where they're at and have a dialogue with them and have them give them an opportunity to ask questions, maybe bring on other people that can help them navigate through the challenges that they were facing. Now, at the beginning of COVID, you know, it was kind of like, well, this is just another flu. We didn't know, you know, what the severity was, what the virality of it was, what the death rate per 100,000 million was going to be. So there was just a lot of uncertainty. and, And so I entered into that uncertainty. I wrote some blogs around it, I did some videos on it, I did an enormous amount of Q&A's around it and didn't ask for, for, like, I didn't, you know, let's say talk about COVID and every time say, oh, by the way, <clears throat> we have this event. Nope. Mm-hmm. It was like, let's be in the dialogue and let's stay in the dialogue to build the trust and rapport, which is one of the ways that you can help, you know, navigate people to something else. You have to build the trust and rapport first. And if you build the trust and rapport first, then you can get to the next level of direction of what is it that you know, might make more, more sense for you. So, so we looked at how could we help people using the neuroscience and neuropsychology principles that we teach all of our clients, how can we use those to help them navigate what they're thinking and feeling and experiencing themselves? So that's what we did a lot of like for months and months and months. I did more like Instagram lives and Facebook lives and, and then got on, you know, a variety of podcasts and interviews live uh, on other people's platforms just to give people the, the frames to eliminate or alleviate some of the discomfort that they were feeling.
0: And obviously, I mean, we're coming out of that to a certain degree. I mean, I still think there's a fair amount of fear that's in the market, but I mean, now people are sort of realizing, all right, well, this is a new phase. This is a new, a new, new reality. This is what I'm going to have to face from here on out, whether or not, you know, the vaccinations are going to continue to come and booster shots are going to work and, you know, death rates stay relatively low as they have been. But like, then it's back to business. It's not just, all right, now I have to overcome this. So, and you're dealing with a lot of different businesses and Gossam and myself are in the same position where, you know, fear is a very real thing as you grow that business to no matter whatever phase that you're in whether it's you know a six-figure business getting to a seven-figure seven-figure to an eight-figure all the way up to you know multiple you know nine-figure billion dollar companies that sort of thing so fear is all the way across the spectrum and it's just something that it sounds like you know your organization obviously deals with head-on
1: it's obviously yeah. what
0: Brainathon is all about and a lot of your teachings. So tell us about like the, the business owners. Cause I mean, that's something that I think the perpetual traffic listener is, is definitely is, is concerned about. They don't probably don't realize it, but they get to a point where they're growing and then they just, Kind of hit the wall like and everyone sort of hits the wall at different points i always sort of think every time you 3x your business everything breaks and then you don't know what to do and you need help or you need a new team or you need to restructure tell yeah. us about some of the challenges that you're facing with some of your your business customers and sort of where they're at in that continuum and that journey and how they deal with fear to ultimately achieve business success
2: sure ralph so let me ask you a question just to set the frame for this were you or i or anybody who's listening, or Kasim, born with any fear?
0: I think it's, well, the lower brain is there constantly, but, yeah, but no, you I didn't with grow with up with my of fear of spiders. But, yeah, we are right. born with fear of no?
2: snakes, the spiders of failing, of succeeding and failing, of right. making the wrong hiring choice. To learn to behavior. Money? Of buying something and not using it? Were you born with the fear of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged, rejected? Were you born with any of those fears? Because there's 50 main fears that are, are, are the core fears, shall we say. I just gave you like eight of them. And my question that I always start with, whether it's an entrepreneur or a ballet dancer, it doesn't make a difference. Were you born with any fear? And the answer is zero. We have a automatic reaction to loud noises, but we're not afraid of heights, snakes, or losing money, or getting into a car crash, or flying, or getting on the train. Zero fears. So the question becomes, the next question is, does everybody suffer from a fear of failure? Does everybody suffer from a fear of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged? Does everybody suffer from being afraid of snakes or spiders? And the answer is no. So the question is, what is fear, right? What is fear? And the answer from a pure neuromechanics perspective is whenever there is a situation, let's say a situation, whether I need to make a purchase decision, the marketplace changes, all right? And my brain projects any type of pain or discomfort, in the present moment or in the future, my brain projects. Now the question is, where is it projecting it from? And the answer is from my memory bank. So I have neural patterns or memories. And whenever this thing, this situation comes up, my brain automatically projects into the future a potential negative or painful, uncomfortable result or circumstance. Does that make sense fundamentally? Sure. So we know that the same meaning is not had by everybody of what it means. So there are some people when the market, for example, the stock market crashes. They have got dopamine being released in their brain because they're so freaking excited that they finally have an amazing opportunity to make millions or billions while the majority of people are running for the hills. When COVID happens and people don't have the skill of how to think, the skill of what should I do when there's so much uncertainty, they are in a fight flight or freeze modality which is what happens when the fear circuit is activated. But why does a firefighter who's going into a burning or blowing building, a building that's blowing up, enter into fight flight or freeze and they actually are calm and responding to the fire or a Navy SEAL or an astronaut? And the answer is because they've been there before and they're trained. So the very thing that may cause you fear because of COVID may cause me to go, holy shit, here we go. All right, let's rock and roll because I've seen this pattern before. This is a pattern of imaginable possibilities if you know how to navigate through it. So when we're dealing with entrepreneurs, specifically, I'm going to come back to your question. We always behave at the highest level of our training under stress. Let me repeat. We always revert or behave at the highest level of our training under stress. So if you've never seen this pattern, if you've never navigated through this situation before, if you're not in the environment of the people who can guide you and show you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, right, then you're going to fight, you're going to freeze, or you're going to run away. Not because there isn't opportunity here, is because you don't know how to navigate the opportunity. So you're going to run away from what you think might happen. And there's a part of our brain called the right prefrontal cortex, or what I call is the Frankenstein part of the brain that's always on high alert saying, what if negative? What if, give me a negative statement or situation or circumstance or result. So we have these neuro parts of our brain, the Einstein part of our brain, which You probably, you see my Einstein back there, right? And then you see my Frankenstein's monster up there. That is the left prefrontal cortex and right prefrontal cortex battle that goes on. And most people don't know how to deactivate that Frankenstein's monster that's always thinking about the worst case scenario. And they live there, they feel that and they behave in ways that keeps them stuck and in many cases causes them to fail and focus on exactly what they don't want because they don't know how to activate that genius part of their brain that can actually help them navigate through the tumultuous, crazy, uncertain, doubtful, fearful situations because they don't have the skill to navigate through that. And so when we're dealing with
0: navigate through it, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, to, to navigate through it, is it just a matter of practicing your brain to overcome it? So for example, stupid example here, but when I was a kid, I was deathly afraid of the dark. So I locked myself in our attic for like 45 minutes and now I'm no longer fearful of the dark. I don't know why I was fearful of the dark. I think my, my brother, my idiot brother used to like throw me in the toy box, pull all the toys out and then throw me in there still kind of claustrophobic. But anyway, the point is, is like, it was a learned fear, but then the only way that I got around, I still can't believe I actually did this. I was like 17 years old, but I did it because I was like, screw it. I'm just going to try and do it. And it's like, it did work. And so is that in essence, what we're talking about? Do you have to just sort of train yourself like the firefighter running into the burning building? He is trained so he's done it many times, whereas us as normal humans would probably not run into that burning building. Is it just that easy
2: it's, it or is that simple, that, it, I guess, is my question. It can be that easy, right? So you happened to choose the fight it modality and you said the health and I'm not going to be overrun and overcome by this. I'm going to I'm going to challenge myself now. Was it the dark that you were afraid of or was it what you were told about the dark and what might happen there that you were afraid of? Wow, it's kind of like the boogeyman's in the way. dark, and the boogeyman's going to come and get you, and the boogeyman's going to hurt you,
0: right? What my so idiot so there, there's a couple different to things, too right? Me? but anyway just answer yeah.
2: <laughs> whenever whenever we have you know a fear whether it's real or imagined right our brain responds the same way it releases the neurochemicals of cortisol epinephrine norepinephrine and we know that an emotion fear is an emotion triggered in the subconscious mind releases the neurochemicals that we feel in our body now we are consciously aware that we're afraid well we can also instead of like fighting it one inner size i call it that actually deactivates that part of our brain in less than 90 seconds, is called take six, calm the circuits. So we know that when that fear circuit is activated, if we just took six slow, slow, slow breaths into our nose and out through our mouth as if we're breathing out through a straw, we'll actually deactivate the fear circuit in less than 90 seconds. So that's part one. Part two, And this is really just understanding how to use your brain better. Martial artists use it, astronauts use it, firefighters use it, police officers learn this. There's another inner size that I call is take six, and it's called AYA, awareness, intention, action. So in a calm state where we can respond versus a stress state where we are reacting, we can now be aware of what have our thoughts, what are the thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, and the behaviors that we've been engaging in for, let's say, the last five minutes or, you know, 50 minutes. And then we say, well, what's our intention? Well, my intention is to be calm. My intention is not to be afraid of the dark. My intention is to master my mindset and my emotions. And so that's my intention. I go, what's one action step I can take? I can calmly enter into a dark room for five minutes and just be in a calm, relaxed state. Now I'm deliberately and consciously recalibrate recalibrating my nervous system and my own biology. And so when we are dealing with the neuromechanics of fear, fear is triggered based on our subconscious patterns and memories. And some of the things that trigger us, okay, will cause us to be motivated and others will cause us (laughs) to wanna run away or procrastinate or self-sabotage. Now we're dealing with the world of what level of the game do you want to play? Do you want to be a victim of your conditioning from the past or do you want to become victorious over it? Do you want to play the game of mental and emotional control at the kindergarten level or at the pro level? Right. So now what we're learning and what we understand that we can do is we can have much more control. And when we have more awareness and we add some skill to the awareness, now we can say, okay, let me keep activating my Einstein brain, the left prefrontal cortex part of our brain, where I could be a better conductor. I could be a better executive director of my focus, my attention, my energy, and my behaviors. So this is where conscious control starts to come in. And with practice... And if we practice the right things, we have unconscious competence, right? So practice is what makes permanent patterns. And so I could practice a pattern through visualization because visualization is simulation. So if I, for example, was working with you when you were a kid, I would say, Ralph, before you go make the leap to go into that room for 45 minutes, I want you to close your eyes and see yourself in the room for one or two or three minutes. I'm gonna reduce the neural tension for you to one to three minutes and show you that in your mind you could be in the room and the room could be in your mind and you could control yourself and I would have you breathing very, very slowly in and out so that you are controlling your emotional and mental state deliberately. Then I might put you in the room I'd probably have you practice that 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. So I would create a neural pattern, an emotional state that you are deliberately controlling. Then i would put you in the room for one or two or three minutes and have you control that. So you could ease into it. You can use language patterns. You can use visualization patterns. You can use mental contrasting patterns. Because if we can create the pattern in our brain and we are deliberately creating and controlling and reinforcing it, now we are in control. What happens with fear is our brain is projecting the worst possible outcome as a protective mechanism, which may or may not be true. Right. But we we live. We're projecting all the time. Our brain is predicting to conserve energy up to half a second before you even are aware of it. And so when you learn to be aware, now you could be deliberate about choice. When you're not aware, you are a victim of old conditioning and programming. And so I don't know if that's, uh, that's too much information. But when I work with entrepreneurs, you know, most people are behaving at the highest level that they have been trained at, which is an unconscious pattern. And so when something like COVID happens, when something like an iOS change happens, most people don't have the skill set of what to do. So they default to fear.
0: Well, it's the easy thing to fall back on.
2: <laughs> you're, just, well, you're letting your sense.
0: animal brain sort of take control, right? That's right. I mean, it's just a protective that...
2: mechanism. There's nothing. Listen, if you're driving your car and a light pops up mm. on your dash, have you ever considered taking a hammer and hitting it? Well, of course not. The, the light's just a signal. Maybe you're low on, on air in the back left tire. Maybe, maybe your windshield wiper fluid's low. You know, maybe you're going to run out of gas in 50 miles. It's just a signal. Fear is nothing more than a signal. But most people don't look at the fear and don't pay enough attention to how they feel. Feeling is conscious awareness of the vibration. hundred trillion of my cells are vibrating at called my body.
0: And they overreact to that. It's just, a, it's just a signal.
2: You got it. It's just a signal. Now, can we be better at recognizing the signal? Can we become better at recognizing patterns? Can we become better at being deliberate about what we want to do versus reactive? Hmm. I
0: once read that 90% of high performing individuals do some form of either conscious or unconscious either meditation or visualization which yeah, agree, like visualization and meditation for me has just been transformative and it's not the thing we talk about here on the show because or like when people say like oh how did you become successful well, you know I started here and then I did this and I did that but, 90 percent of it was because i felt like i actually could or i faked myself into thinking that i could yeah. you know fake it till you make it but it absolutely is true so like for entrepreneurs and for people who are you know trying to get to that next level they just take us through some of those tactics as well. I mean, not necessarily the overcoming the fear, but some people just can't physically visualize themselves, you know, running a successful company or, you know, having a hundred employees or speaking on T and C stage or whatever it happens to be. But if you visualize it in advance, like pretty much everything I visualized way back when has come true. And then you just have to visualize again, like whatever your goals are. So the point is like for every high performing entrepreneur, I think Jack Campbell says it, like everybody in the secret says it, obviously, you know, you're a big component of it. Like what, what can you tell them that is not the tactical and strategic perpetual traffic stuff, but the things that will actually help you and allow you to be more successful as a, as a business
1: person.
2: So let me give you a a scenario that I think will makes sense to everybody. Imagine you're sitting in your favorite restaurant or a bar or coffee shop. It doesn't matter, you're with a friend. And over to, you know, your left or to your right, you notice somebody that is from Hollywood. And it may be an actor or an actress or a producer that you're familiar with. And you have a lot of respect for that person. They turn around and they look at you and they kind of wave. And you see that they're holding, you know, like a little manual in their hand. And they get up and they walk over to you and they go, hi, my name is um, Steven Spielberg, Ron Howard, whatever, whatever is the name that you recognize. They go, listen, uh, I'm reading this script right now. And there's a part in this script. When I looked at you, I thought you could be that role. The, The description is you. Let me ask you a question. If I was to have you look at the script and agree to train you on how to act just like a five or six minute piece and pay you a million dollars. Would you be able to take a look at the script and and like learn the script? I'll give you some amazing coaching. And let's say you said, yeah, my God, I wanna be in a movie. And you've never seen the script. You just have respect for the person who shared this, you know, that you might be good at, at playing this role. What would you do if you signed on the dotted line said, yep, I'll learn the script. You've never seen it before. What would you do the first day you got that script? What would you do? I imagine if filming was six months from now, to the end. you'd probably read it once or twice, right? Or maybe a hundred times. Sure. I imagine you might close your eyes and you might pretend in your mind what it's going to be like, you know, To be on camera, to be on the stage, to to be with one or two of your Hollywood, you know, or the Hollywood uh, celebrities that, that you like, you might practice until you rehearsed enough to memorize the script, right? Now, the very act of reading it, doing it, practicing it, researching it, practicing it some more, filming yourself, recording yourself over and over and over and over and over again, is nothing more than you creating and reinforcing neural patterns in your brain. Would you agree with that? Hmm. For sure. Well, any pattern that we repeat over and over and over again, our brain likes to make those patterns soft-wired or more permanent. And it goes from conscious effort to unconscious patterns. So why review, like this is my exceptional life blueprint. And this has got images, pictures of my current life and some of the life that I want to create. It's got every part of my life in the script for health, wealth, relationships, career, business, finances, charity, net worth, income, everything in a script. That's taken me 40 years to perfect. And you know what I do every day? I review my script. I review the vision, the goals. I visualize it. I emotionalize it. I read it. I run my fingers across it. I listen to it. Why? Because I am creating patterns in advance of needing them so that my unconscious or subconscious mind, all right, moves me towards them versus being afraid of them. And our brain has financial set points. Our brain has weight set points, relationship set points, business set points, lead set points, conversion set points that we have gotten used to expecting and achieving. And anytime we deviate from what is normal and comfortable for us, triggers in our brain activate and we procrastinate and self sabotage to keep us in our comfort zone. It's a brain's way of keeping us safe. We can be miserable and safe. It's our brain's way of conserving energy. It's our brain's way, all right, of making sure that we do just what we need to do based on the conditioning that we have had over six months, 12 months, two years, three years, four years, and that's why businesses hit plateaus. That's why people hit income plateaus, businesses hit plateaus, not because the knowledge and the skill isn't there or available, is that they hit mental or emotional or strategical or financial plateaus that is their own brains setting. No differently than the room that you are in right now is at a certain temperature. If cold air came in, your heater would go on to calibrate the temperature. If hot air came in, your air conditioner would go on. That's a cybernetic mechanism. It's exactly how our brain works as well around our business plateaus and levels. And so, our job, and I always have these uh, Rubik's Cubes on my on my desk, you know, let's say the two by two is a $500,000 a year business. Just need to learn the algorithm, right? Three by three million dollar a year business. Just learn the algorithm. It's already there. Oh, you, you want a bigger business? Five million? That's your four by four algorithm. Oh, uh, you want the 10 million? Oh, that's your five by five. Oh, you want your billion dollar business? Well, that's just a little bit more complex. So what we have to understand is in order for us to get our, get out of our own way is, yes, we have to have the right mindset, plus we have to have the right skill set, plus we have to have the right action set in an environment that foster our, fosters our growth. And fosters us taking action, moving towards our goals versus moving away from staying in our comfort zone. And the challenge we have is most people would prefer to master disappointment instead of mastering the science and art of change.
1: Mm. True.
2: Yet you guys think <laughs> we're a little bit on change. this podcast today.
1: <laughs> hey, it's Kasim here and I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with US laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means You can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue and you've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process... If you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Hey, PT listeners, when's the last
0: time your business published on its blog? If the answer is that's way too long for me to remember, I want you to listen up, because our friends at BKA Content have a news service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox, and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BKA is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. Well, I think on the planning your life ahead of time. Like there's, there's a element to goal setting meditation, visualization. I think when I try and explain it to people, I say, well, there's once a time I watched the departed, which is a movie about like Boston gangsters. I watched it all the way through and then I saw it about a year later and I didn't really exactly remember this whole story, but I caught it midway through and the first time I watched it, I was on the edge of my seat. Everything was like, oh my God. I was, you know, you had that sort of nervous fear, don't know what's happening next, kind of an unpredictable plot. But then how I sort of describe visualization and goals and everything else is like the second time I watched the departed halfway through. I didn't watch it with that same level of fear. I wasn't on the edge of my seat. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't nervous because I knew who got killed at the end. I don't actually remember who gets killed at the end now, but what was, was I knew the end of the story. It so it was familiar. like visualization and goals are like that same thing and it it like you can if you can actually see yourself in the position where you ultimately want to be, you know, depending on what how many years you know, a year, three years seems to be sort of a good sort of intermediate time, at least for me, at least, you know, through the people that I've learned this, this strategy from, it's like, you almost, you've already seen it happen. So things happen in your life, and you're attracted to things and uh, repel, but other things are you repel, because you're still guiding yourself to this end point And it's amazing what can actually happen because you're doing it naturally and without fear and the right things are being attracted to you, not to get into law of attraction. But I mean, that's really kind of how I visualize it like that. When I explain that to people like, Oh, I kind of get that. If they're not a goal setter, if they're not a visualizer, if they're not somebody who does meditation or does, you know, you know, vision maps and all the stuff that, uh, that you teach, but it's just a basic core concept that people just sort of let their emotions run wild and their fears. And they feel like they're powerless to change it when in fact they actually are. If they just took a little bit of time, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day or whatever it happens to be, to sort of reprogram this huge muscle that's in our heads here. And it's the most powerful computer, you know, ever created.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I call our brain, you know, your hundred billion dollar biocomputer that you're just not a very good operator of. And
0: um, <laughs> nobody constru- gave you an instruction manual.
2: <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, that's why you know I wrote my my latest book, Inner Size. You, you mentioned a couple of things. I just want to piggyback on. You mentioned you know the art of goal setting, and that's that's really really critical, right? When you understand that there are certain components that you need to put in place in order for your brain to actually work in harmony and coherence and flow. It makes it a little bit easier, but there's also the other side of it, right? There's the goal achieving uh, process that also has to be added to the goal setting process, right? So in addition to setting goals, which Anybody could do if you have your big vision, your goals, your timelines and when you want to achieve those goals and you even uh, have your why you must achieve your goals. Vision goals and why are really good stuff. But there's another part to the goal achieving process that very few people talk about. And so I'll ask your question is, let's say you have a vision goals and a big why. Why do people still not achieve their goals? And the answer is for some people, they have limiting beliefs. So if they don't have the right beliefs to take action around their big goals and why, they'll sabotage or procrastinate. If their vision and goals and big why is bigger than their current self-image, there's a part of our brain that sees ourselves of here's what I'm worth. Here's what I'm capable of achieving. Here's what I deserve to achieve. If that part of our brain isn't recalibrated for the, vi- for the vision and goals and why that we have, we will not take inspired action. So we have limiting beliefs. We have self-image disconnects. Number three, let's say we have fears of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged, failing, being disappointed, disappointing our family. If we do our best and we don't achieve it. If we have fears that we don't know how to manage, fear is e- an emotion that either it manages us or we manage it. In the absence of knowing how to have emotional control, we're at the mercy, okay, of our emotions versus using those to help us navigate towards our our goals and using fear as fuel. So we have three things that can hold us back. And then there's the fourth one. I have vision, goals, and a big why. But let's say I don't have currently the knowledge or the skills of how to achieve it. Then I activate my doubt and uncertainty center in my brain, which is connected to my motivational cortex, which is directly linked to my behavioral cortex in the brain. So let's start thinking about our brain almost like we would an orchestra. You're the conductor, and your job is to get the pianist, the cellist, the saxophonist, the, the trumpeter, and the vocalist all to work and sing and play in concert If the musicians do not play in harmony and concert, you have chaos. When you can get out of chaos into coherence and harmony, it's like, oh my God, this is stress less. This is effort less. This is in flow and harmony. And so there's an inner game to success and there's an outer game to success. When you combine the two, that is when you're able to really go from an idea to your 100,000, 500,000, a million, five million, 10 million, 50 million, 100 million, a billion, et cetera. And so if you're not in concert with the vision and the goals and everything else that's required in order to achieve those goals, then it's really hard and you struggle and, and you allow fear to control you versus you controlling it. Now, these are everything I've shared right now is all stuff that you can learn. There is nothing outside of you being able to learn. Functionally, every brain works the same. Every brain works the same, which just means I need to become a better operator of my own brain. And this is the proverbial reason why. Why is it that somebody could go to a world-class university, right, and not make a lot of money? Well, because knowledge and skill doesn't translate to behavioral change. All knowledge and skill does says, I have some knowledge and some skill. Behavior is a whole other element. And this is why, you know, when, when, whenever anybody works with, with me and my company now, um, they have to commit to 100 days to change the neural patterns enough to create a new foundational behavioral change versus gaining more knowledge or skill reading a book gives you awareness going to an event for a weekend gives you awareness it doesn't unless you're there to change the skill and then back it up with another 30 60 90 days of application you don't change the neural networks that change behavior long term you can Go on a diet for for a day, a week, or a month, but 99% of people go on a diet, gain all the weight back. It's not because we don't know how to eat, what to eat, how much exercise to do, how much sleep to get. We know all that. That's not the problem. The problem is most people are not operating at the function of behavioral change at the level that they need to be at to consistently perform at that level. And we are creatures of habit, so we get stuck in our habitual patterns.
0: So, beliefs themselves, <clears throat> how, do you, how do you change beliefs? Like, if you get set goals, like we have got a goal setting crew here yeah. that listens to perpetual traffic. We all, I think we all do that. That's fine. You know, we celebrate the goal achievement to a certain degree, but then it's on to the next thing. You know, a, a phrase I always said is, you know, uh, happiness is being content where you're at, but always striving for more, but like, how do you change the belief, like the belief part of things is if I am not a successful person or like limiting beliefs that people have about themselves will not allow them to achieve those goals. Correct. How do they, how do they overcome those individual beliefs in order to be able to get to a place where they can set goals and visualize and and meditate and do all the things that we had discussed in order to ultimately achieve them?
2: Yeah. So so meditation is a, a, a practice in focus, concentration and awareness and letting go and remembering that I am more than just my body and the nine systems and the organs within my body. So let's uh, let's go back to the same question I asked about fear. If you have a belief, is that belief the truth or is that belief your truth? And the answer is like, well, I I guess that's that's my truth, right? So where did you get that belief? Parents, you weren't born with any beliefs genetically. You may have been born with genetic predispositions, but those are activated or deactivated based on internal and external stimuli, based on epigenetics. But we won't go there. But let's go back to what is a belief in the brain? There's two types of beliefs. 99.9 99.9 people out of 100 can't take, tell me the two different types of beliefs, let alone how to change them. So there's, there's uh, a belief. A belief in the brain is nothing more than a reinforced neural pattern with associations. A reinforced neural pattern. So if your mother, sister, brother, um, father, teacher told you X and you observed X, you took that on to believe that's true. So let me give you an example that I think you'll both understand very, very quickly. Did you at one point believe in Santa Claus?
0: I still do. (laughs)
2: Great. Did you at one point believe in the tooth fairy? Right, we've all heard Santa Claus, the tooth fairy. So somebody of importance in your life, you know, shared that with you, that you built a neural network of this real thing called Santa Claus or the tooth fairy that based on losing a tooth or at Christmas time, you know Santa and and his elves and, and, the, and the reindeer are gonna you know, come into your neighborhood and come down your chimney and put presents around. And you had this entire ideation and visualization and visceral feeling that Santa Claus was real until you learned that Santa Claus wasn't real. So first and foremost, a belief is nothing more than a reinforced pattern. So the question then becomes, is it possible for me to create a belief that will empower me and reinforce that? And the answer is yes. So, how would I, would I do that? So, let's say you wanted a belief that you don't currently have. And let's take one belief that you currently have that no longer serves you. So, we can use a, one technique that I've used with my clients is a, a technique called in the past, it's a, called an in the past frame. So in the past, I used to believe that I wasn't good enough, smart enough, worthy enough. Or in the past, I used to believe, fill in the belief that's disempowering you. And now I'm choosing to believe and reinforce and put in what you want to believe. So part one is just write that out. Part two, how do I get that into the subconscious part of my brain, the implicit part of my brain? How do I take something that's explicit and declarative that I can declare and how can I make that part of my implicit, non-declarative belief system? Part one is a conscious choice. Part two is where all the magic happens. The subconscious is the little hinge that swings the big door. So can I take something that's a lie like Santa Claus or the tooth fairy and create enough references, an entire scenario around that being real? and then believing that until I don't anymore, of course. So why not be deliberate and say in the past I used to, and now I'm choosing to, and I'm reinforcing this. And what if every day, like I shared in the Hollywood actor or actress story, I read it, I listened to it, I visualized it, I was mindful around it, I started behaving in ways that are more aligned with the beliefs. When I change my identity to match the destiny that I want, and the character traits and beliefs with that identity, now guess what happens? Behavior starts to change automatically. Now here's what we know based on neuroscience research. It takes 66 days to 365 days to override an old pattern that we've had for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So don't give me this weekend bullshit that I'm gonna change it in a weekend. I can make some inroads in a weekend. I can use guided visualization. I could use mental contrasting. I can use self-hypnosis or guided hypnosis. I can use affirmation, declarations, promises, and other techniques, but you're not gonna get rid of a limiting belief that you've had for 20 or 30 years, okay, in 15 minutes and get it to stick. You can go to a hypnotherapist who is skilled at her craft, and she can embed into the subconscious mind a new pattern that'll last for a bit of time. No problem there. But to reinforce it so that pattern becomes part of something known as the default mode network, my automatic self. I have to do the equivalent of what a software writer or coder has to do if there's software that's corrupt on a computer software program. I have to override the old code with the new code. So I'm gonna use a variety of different evidence-based methodologies to actually change neurology. And once I do that enough, now there's a whole new me, a whole new way that I see the world because I've changed the software, the lens by which I see the world and the lens by which it causes my behavior. Does that make sense? I know this isn't a lot about it does. professional traffic, but what I, what I find, the reason I got so into what I do today, I was teaching people how to, how to, how to, how to make more money, how to build your business. Here's the strategies, the tactics, the timelines, the tools, the resources, and they would be freaking stuck. And it wasn't until I helped them get the inner game right with the strategies, tactics, tools, resources and combine the two. When I was um, 26, I bought the franchising rights to Remax of Indiana. And over the next 10 years, I opened up 85 offices and recruited over 1,200 agents that worked in my company. And in 1992, six years, five years after I opened it, we got stuck at 1.2 billion a year in sales, which was a great place to be stuck. I go. Why are we stuck? I've got the best freaking training on listings, the best training on sales skills. I've got I know Jack Canfield and Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and 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 and, and Zig Ziglar. I've got the best freaking trainers in the world coming to teach my agents, and I realize, oh my God, they're not stuck because they don't know what to do. They're stuck because of all the other stuff that holds people back their self image, their limiting beliefs, their fears, their set points. And so I said, Hey, I wonder if we started to recalibrate, rescript, reshape people's self image and financial set points using what I started to use when I was 19, all right? 41 years ago. When I started to retrain my brain daily using these methodologies I've been sharing. Uh, My income skyrocketed, but I want to see what would happen with a group of my agents who at the time in 1992, the average real estate agent in Indiana was making $38,000 a year, including in my company. And so I took 75 agents over six months to help them with all the stuff we've been talking about, recalibrate their hidden self-image, their beliefs, etc. And those 75 agents increased sales in that six months over the same period the year before by over $100 million. And then over the next few years, from 1992 to 1997, I taught it to all of my agents. And we went from 1.2 billion to 4.5 billion a year. We didn't teach them any more closing techniques. We didn't teach them any more listing techniques. We didn't teach them any more you know, time management techniques. We didn't teach them any of that. We changed their identity to match the income and the level of success they want to achieve. Our average agent went from 38,000 to 120,000 average income in five years. So when we're talking about perpetual, perpetual traffic, right? Yes, we need to know what to do, how to do it, why to do it. You know, you need to know your metrics and how to generate leads and qualify and convert and nurture. I get all that stuff. But what you need to be focusing on even more is why aren't you doing just what you already know you should be doing? Forget about the new techniques and tips and tools and resources. Oh, my God, why aren't you doing the stuff you learned last week and the week before and the week before that and, the, and three months ago and six months ago that you said, oh, my God, it was so amazing back then. Why aren't you doing that? Mm -hmm. And so the answer is because Shiny object syndrome (laughs) Shiny object syndrome Because shiny objects activate dopamine Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the reward neurochemical in the brain So we keep getting this this reward neurochemical in the brain And then serotonin gets involved And we talk about it We do this mental masturbation with each other We high-five each other And kumbaya each other And we're bonding because we're learning and growing But we're not changing our behaviors and for behavioral change, there needs to be a much more methodical approach to changing from the inside out. And we have to sometimes slow down to pick up speed, right? We have, to, we have to sometimes slow down to create a new behavioral process. That's why I don't mind talking about what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But if people don't get the fundamental mechanics of why they get stuck OK, or why they sabotage or why they procrastinate, then we're not doing them a service of how do I level up my my own abilities? You know, we had um, there's, there's two stories I always love to share around, you know, change. There's a gal that uh, came to one of my events talking about this her name is Joni Sanders, and she's in a small little town just uh, outside of Perth. She was in her 60s, never made more than twelve thousand dollars a year as a social worker. I'm sorry. She never made more than $12,000 a year on a widow's salary after her husband passed away raising five or six kids. And she was doing social work for free. And she'd been doing social work for free for like 30 years because she didn't feel like she was worth it. Within 12 months of getting what I just shared, she was making $75,000 to $100,000 a year doing the same thing she was charging nothing for. Cat Rama Books, 80-year-old wedding planner in Kauai almost bankrupt. Husband's got cancer. She's almost bankrupt, doesn't know what they're going to do. She starts to reimagine herself at 80. Within 12 months of working the inner game stuff, she made $247,500 in her wedding planning business, took 50 grand, took her husband on a trip to Thailand, paid for it in cash. And unfortunately, he died afterwards. But because she changed the calibration in here, instead of going bankrupt, she went on a trip of a lifetime. I can share the entrepreneur after entrepreneur after entrepreneur uh, that I've worked with that in addition to the techniques, I get that, the strategies, I get that. If you don't also work on what's driving perspective and behaviors, long term, not short term, we can all all visualize right now. You know, we can all use an affirmation or a declaration or promise right now. You know, we can all uh, take a technique we learned today because we read it in a book and apply it right now at an event that we went to. But ask yourself a question. The last event you went to, of all those notes that you took and the promises you made and the excitement you had, how many did you apply? Like how many? And for most people, it's three. maybe a handful if they're lucky. Yeah, awesome. You're, you're, you're <laughs> rare at three. Because you're going back to, okay, your patterns when we come home. So I know this is probably not where you guys want it to go on perpetual traffic. And it may be a, hopefully it's going to be a, you know, a, a really good discussion for you guys to have in, in your community. Because sometimes it's not learning what's the, the latest, the greatest, the, the best. You know, sometimes it's around taking what we already know and becoming more consistent with doing that.
0: Well, I think it has everything to do with perpetual traffic because people come on this show to grow their business. They think that traffic is the thing that they need. And that obviously you go to the traffic store to buy your traffic, but it's so much more than that. And obviously it's not just all about conversion. It's not about, you know, some of the strategies that we talked about here from an advertising and a business perspective. It's really, it's you know, exercising the muscle that's between your ears, most importantly, I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about here. If they hadn't taken a step back and say, all right, why is it that I'm stuck? It's not because I can't deploy the latest tactic or strategy, it's maybe it's because I've got some self-limiting beliefs that don't allow me to get to that next level. And it's not really the thing that people talk about a whole lot, but you talk about it a whole lot. Where can people find you perpetual traffic listener to learn more about what it is that you do and, and maybe get some even more in-depth training on, on, on some of the stuff that you and your team offers.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Ralph. Well, uh, you and I talked and Kassim and I talked earlier about the brain that's coming up and I'll give you guys a link. It's the theme this year is change your brain, change your income and I'll be on with several world-renowned brain and success experts to help people really understand how to change their brain so they can change their income and break free from the plateaus that they're hitting, break free from living beliefs, break free from fears, break free from the stuff that holds us all back. And and if anybody wants to join us, it's a free all day event. They can come for an hour or five hours and I'll get you the links. People could uh, follow me on social media, but they can also come to the Brainathon and have a real, uh, real big exposure, not just to experts teaching the stuff that I've been talking about at deeper and different levels, but we also have a whole bunch of our entrepreneurial friends that were on last year's Brainathon that are showing how they applied the Brainathon to become millionaires in a year, to, to start businesses that do millions in revenue, to uh, overcome challenges that they had, whether it's you know in their personal lives or their business lives, to break free and really achieve the, uh, I guess, the proverbial financial freedom in their own lives.
0: And they can find that over at myneurogym.com, if I'm not mistaken, or they can just or, Google it.
2: Or they can go to brainathon.com.
0: Or brainathon.
2: Brainathon.com, okay. either one. Myneurogym.com is our company and brainathon.com. Um, we'll take them there too.
0: Great. Well, we're going to uh, leave all the links in the show notes here. And thank you uh, for coming on Perpetual Traffic, John, bringing it from a mental perspective. This is uh, this is a good reset episode for everyone who has been caught really in the weeds, especially with a lot of – there's a lot of negativity around just digital marketing and just marketing online in general. And I think this is a great reset for our listeners here to sort of get out of their own way and and oftentimes is the case and take some time you know to reinvest in their own understanding of maybe the limiting beliefs that they have and create some new ones and you can certainly do that over at brainathon.com and certainly follow John on all his socials. We'll leave that link in the show notes. Really thank you all for listening for this week. Just a reminder to subscribe and leave a honest rating over on iTunes for perpetual traffic. Our producer always asks us to do that every single week. You can leave an honest review or a dishonest review as long as it's positive. No, just kidding. Only honest reviews here. Make sure that you do follow Digital Marketer on YouTube and go back and listen to some previous episodes here we did reference a few of them in the early part of the show at the very least head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast we've got all the resources here john assaraf thanks for bringing it today on uh perpetual traffic from my co-host kasim aslam until next week everybody see ya thanks y'all